Welcome back to The Weekly Intellectual. Each Tuesday evening, we will be exploring the life of an interesting person, the content of an intriguing subject, and or the nuance of a grand theory, each in a field that helps us understand exactly what it means to be human. These include history, science and mathematics, philosophy, religion, literature, the arts, and who knows, maybe even more obscure fields like philology. Thanks for joining me this evening as we aim to sharpen our expertise, gain inspiration, and challenge our current, ever-evolving understandings of the world. This week, we will be looking at the literature of Fyodor Dostoevsky. Thanks for joining me. Man is a mystery. It needs to be unraveled. And if you spend your whole life unraveling it, don't say that you've wasted time. I am studying that mystery because I want to be a human being. Fyodor Dostoevsky penned these words in a 1939 letter to his brother. The letter came two months after their father had died, apparently murdered by the serfs working his estate. We'll get into the details of this death shortly, but first let's focus on let's focus on Fyodor Dostoevsky himself. Dostoevsky was born in Russia in 1821, 23 years before Friedrich Nietzsche would be born in Germany. Dostoevsky influenced Nietzsche, who said himself in the year 1888, Dostoevsky is the only psychologist, incidentally, from whom I had something to learn. He ranks among the most beautiful strokes of fortune in my life. That's about the highest praise you can get from a man like Nietzsche. It is an interesting quote, in part because Dostoevsky was not actually a psychologist by trade, but rather a novelist. Of course, Nietzsche was aware of this and designated him as a psychologist purposefully. But the question then becomes, why? Well, we'll explore why uh, through the course of this episode as we dive into the life and especially the work of Fyodor Dostoevsky. Nietzsche, having been influenced by the author, is striking for another reason. The former seems to have been an ardent atheist throughout his life, at least as an adult and we explored some of his life and belief in a few episodes back. Dostoevsky, on the other hand, explored the depths of human consciousness and belief, like Nietzsche did, and as the opening quote predicted that he would during the course of his work, but came to a much more sympathetic conclusion toward traditional morality, namely religion, than Nietzsche ever did. So what drew the two great minds together? What did Nietzsche see in the Russian author's works that so inspired him? We shall see, but maybe it was a barefaced look at reality, a no-punches-pulled assessment of exactly what is consistent in the human condition. As mentioned a few episodes back in the Nietzsche episode, Dostoevsky can be classified, along with Friedrich Nietzsche, 
as existentialist. Ex existence itself is explored in the works of these thinkers, and the place of man's will in such existence is analyzed. And what brought Fyodor Dostoevsky in 19th century Russia to want to perform such an analysis? Well, let's look at the main features of the man's life before diving into his foundational works. Dostoevsky was born into relative wealth in Moscow, Russia. His father was a doctor, and his mother helped homeschool him until he was 13. At that point, he was sent off to private school. I know, in the first episode of this podcast, I promised I would not bore listeners with biographical details. But for Dostoevsky especially, these details do matter. A lot. For instance... His mother died when Fyodor was only 15 years old. His father passed away three years later, as mentioned in what was considered at the time a probable murder by the serfs or feudal servants who worked his estate. The details of this death are murky, though, even today. It was known that Mikhail Andreevich Dostoevsky was a hard and exacting man, and that his servants generally disliked him for it. It is not clear, however, that the man was, was murdered at all. A 1988 Los Angeles Times article states that, quote, In 1975, new, new archival finds made it highly probable that Dr. Dostoevsky died of natural causes. Many have held that the younger Dostoevsky's psychological focus as an author was a result of the belief, at least, that his father was murdered, though this cannot be proven and is only speculation when it's all said and done. We do know for certain that when Fyodor found out about his father's death, he was extremely distraught. Fyodor's daughter, Leobov, would later say in 1921, that her father's first epileptic fit came immediately after the news of his father's death. Dostoevsky would suffer from epilepsy the rest of his life. A few more biographical details of importance. Dostoevsky's first novel, Poor Folk, was published in 1846 to critical acclaim. In 1849, he was arrested for taking part in a radically leftist publishing operation. He was sentenced to execution, but at the last minute was given reprieve. He was instead sent to Siberia for four years of hard labor. His epilepsy worsened during those hard labor years. These biographical details come from Kidder and Oppenheim's 2012 The Intellectual Devotional which will be included in the description on YouTube and in the description on Spotify and other platforms for the podcast, as well as all other works cited during this episode. And some final and admittedly quite cursory details about Dostoevsky's life. He was married twice, had four children, but lost two before they reached the age of three, and spent much of his life in debt partially due to a gambling addiction, especially in his earlier years. All this to say, and the reason for keeping it brief so that we can focus on the man's literature, 
All this to say that Dostoevsky experienced much in the range of what it means to be human in what we would typically think of humans experiencing. Dostoevsky um, was firsthand a part of a lot of that. Crippling losses, humiliating defeats, many tragic outcomes. Certainly these were not what the author had in mind when he told his brother that he wished to study that mystery because he wanted to be a human being. But uh, study that mystery of the human condition he did the fruits of which would be poignantly expressed through his literature. So let's dive into that literature now and explore his most noteworthy works. But one final preference. The purpose of this particular episode is to elaborate on Dostoevsky's thought and literary works. It is not, however, the point of the episode to spoil all the plot details and the final outcomes of those works. My hope is that those listening or watching this episode will be interested enough by the discussion of these great works to spark a desire for them to read one of them or all of them themselves. So in that uh, light and in the spirit of inspiration, the themes, the characters, and the big questions in each of these books will be analyzed but not fully summarized. That way there is still plenty of room for the listeners or viewers to go and read them for themselves, and there won't be spoilers here. For Dostoevsky's work is indeed masterful. It cuts to the quick of the human condition to expose what we may not ourselves have been able to previously express. I believe that reading such works as Dostoevsky's and those like it are, and wrestling with them, despite their, their age and sometimes their tedious length, reading these works can be beneficial to anyone who claims to be, you guessed it, a human being. So let's dive into it. Book 1, Notes from Underground, was published in 1864. It is a short work, especially compared to Dostoevsky's others, and it is given the designation of novella. Uh, which basically just means short novel. In it, Dostoevsky portrays a nihilistic anti-hero. He often asks the question in his work, does God exist? The ups and downs of Dostoevsky's personal experience went alongside his own wrestling with this huge ultimate question, especially in his day when atheism was becoming more and more in the foreground of thought, especially in in Europe and places where uh, the intellectual elite were um, developing their thought uh, at the close to the turn of the 20th century. So this question, does God exist? If that is answered in the negative, Dostoevsky offers a few follow-up questions. In this case, in Notes from Underground, the follow-up question is, then where do we find meaning? One possible answer to that question is that there is none, that nihilism is the most logical road to take. If there is no meaning, do not search for it, do not place um, illogical or uh, confounding meaning where there is none. The nihilistic character in Notes from Underground is, for the reader, difficult to look at. 
He is sad and despicable. He does things that a normal human being would not bring themselves to do. Or so we would like to think. Because one is repulsed, and surprisingly, in part because of the uncanny normalcy of the anti-hero's thoughts and actions. We might, after all, make such choices ourselves, without being able to see what the outcome will be. Dostoevsky's next major work came in 1866, in the form of the psychological expose, Crime and Punishment. It is the first of two Dostoevsky novels which has often been given the title of Greatest. In this case, critics have hailed the book as the greatest psychological novel ever. Again, that is not everyone, uh, but that is the opinion of several critics uh, through the years. Another anti-hero of sorts is in the spotlight in Crime and Punishment. Raskolnikov, at the outset of the book, murders his landlady and her acquaintance. Raskolnikov is a former law student who is in debt to her landlady and commits this crime of passion, and it turns out to be the perfect crime for several reasons. First is that no one was there to witness the murders. So check that off. Second, no one misses the women. They were nasty and virtually friendless, so no one is dying to solve the murders. Third, Raskolnikov is not greatly guilt-ridden by his actions. He, like the man in Notes from Underground, is of a nihilistic bent. At least he begins by not giving too much thought to these murders that he has committed. In drafting this work, Dostoevsky originally wrote in the first person, and he was exploring the psychological depth of this Raskolnikov character. The final work is more broad and turned out to be in the third person, but the action still very much follows this psychological profile of Raskolnikov. The murderer finds that all misdeeds have their natural consequences by the end of the book. Every crime, regardless of legal sentencing or lack thereof, has its punishment. And that is about the biggest spoiler I will give in these books. It is still very much worth going and reading Crime and Punishment. Two years later, Dostoevsky's The Idiot came into publication. This work, along with later works, was serialized, so it was released in portions in the local newspapers. So The Idiot came out in 1848 to 1849. So the subject of this particular novel shows the progression that the author was going through in his own psychological wanderings, in his own questions, and the wrestling with those questions. For rather than an anti-hero, as has been the protagonist of his previous major works, the protagonist of The Idiot is a Prince Mishkin, who turns out to be a Christ figure. Dostoevsky was getting back into the roots of his Russian Orthodoxy upbringing at this point, and exploring, in this case, what it might look like for Christ to be living in 19th century Russia, the Russia of Dostoevsky's time. Several aspects of this Mishkin character, besides the obvious Christ essence to him, are of importance. 
As the title suggests, Mishkin is considered to be an idiot or a simpleton. He is too pure, too good, too unnuanced, and therefore almost inhuman by the estimation of the elite class of Russia in the novel. Also, Dostoevsky wrote in his he wrote in his condition of epilepsy into the plot of the idiot. He had done it once before up to this point in the 1961 The Insulted and Injured. This time, it is the main character who has the condition of epilepsy. It is important to note that Dostoevsky himself did not see his own epilepsy as wholly negative, but rather as a piece of himself which could produce positive, creative, and spiritual effects. Mishkin interacts with various classes of people, just as Christ did in the biblical narrative, with the familiar result of being shunned by the most respected and the most pious of the citizenry. The idiot is a fresh, thought-provoking retelling of that familiar tale. Finally, and again this was serialized, so it was in the years 1879 through 80, um, about... 11 years after the idiot came Dostoevsky's magnum opus. The Brothers Karamazov is the second of the author's works with the greatest label often attached to it. And just what is that label? Well, uh, Sigmund Freud, for one, wrote a commentary on the book. And yes, in classical Freud fashion, he wove an Oedipal construct into the assessment. Uh, we won't go there for now. Uh, that will be saved for a future podcast about Freud and his constructs, as well as his unique psychology and attributions to the field. Uh, but in this particular work, in this review of Dostoevsky's Brothers Karamazov, Freud unabashedly states, Dostoevsky's place is not far behind Shakespeare. The Brothers Karamazov is the most magnificent novel ever written. The episode of the Grand Inquisitor, one of the peaks in the literature of the world, can hardly be valued too highly. Relevant scholars today possibly agree more with this assessment of Freud's than with any of the other controversial psychologists' claims. But again, that is for a future episode. The Brothers Karamazov follows the story of three, you guessed it, brothers, who must live with their abhorrent father and all of his antics. This father of theirs, he is a sensualist to the worst degree, an archetype of shameless behavior. The brothers are, in order of birth, similar to the father, the second being intellectually elite by characterization. The third and youngest brother is one who is universally loved and simplistically wholesome. Dostoevsky chooses the last in the character of Alyosha to be his protagonist of the Brothers Karamazov. Parallels to the aforementioned Mishkin of the idiot can fairly easily be drawn between him and Alyosha, this Again, simplistically wholesome character of the Brothers Karamazov. The incredibly deep and, and dense character studies, also dark, <laughs> you could add in, 
which are ubiquitous in Dostoevsky's writing. Along with highly celebrated passages like the Grand Inquisitor, as cited by Freud, these things together make the Brothers Karamazov a cornerstone of world literature. Again, the question is asked, this deep human question, especially of Dostoevsky's day, does God exist? And the author again explores the answer no to that question. This time with the follow-up question, is everything then permissible? This final work of Dostoevsky is incredibly dense, and especially Russian, heavy with Russian culture and imagery familiar to those of the Russian Orthodoxy tradition. To those struggling to get through in the future, uh, those Westerners like myself, I tell you this, there is a speech at the end of the book about fatherhood that is well worth the 700 pages or so it takes to get there. You can do it. Personally, the passage uh, for myself fundamentally changed the way I view the connection between relationships and responsibility. Believe me, it is well worth your time. And if you don't want to go through the whole book, I recommend at least looking into that passage. It is um, unique as far as works that I've come across so far. And isn't that what great literature does for us? We slog through the thick writing. We fumble through the cultural aspects that we can't fully understand because we are not a part of that culture. We stumble through the words we no longer use to ultimately get through to those bits of gold, those insights into human universals that enhance our awareness of what it truly means to be human. Words that we couldn't have placed before, which, after reading them, we know have always been self-evident. The Brothers Karamazov was meant to be the first of a trilogy, according to critic Maurice Lazer in a 1914 piece in The Little Review. Fyodor Dostoevsky passed away one year after its full publication of a hemorrhage, probably linked to his ever-persistent epilepsy. The life of Dostoevsky was indeed a complex one. Perhaps just barely matching this level of complexity was the writing he was able to employ in communicating the depths and paradoxes of the human condition. Following the tragic loss of his father, remember, Dostoevsky sought to embark on the writer's life in order to unravel the mystery of man. Maurice Lazer, previously mentioned, in concluding his review of the author's last and greatest work, said, The plot of the story is as formless as life itself, for it is with life, not with plots, that Dostoevsky deals. <laughs>